<laughs> I think everyone should just get their poop tested in general. <laughs> Is that something you do on a, what, a weekly basis? basis <laughs> no, no, not me personally. Maybe I'll start. <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're, we're not about kink shaming on this podcast, just FYI. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Apologies for a few things in this episode. Um, it was recorded very, very, very early in the morning for me. So if I um, if I sound a little bit uh, a little bit out of it, or um, I'm I'm struggling to um, articulate some words or some questions, uh, that's the reason why. Um, also, I was still getting over a little bit of a cold at the time of recording, so if you hear me coughing and and hacking in the background. Uh, massive apologies for that. If you're um, if you're enjoying the podcast up until now, please leave a rating. And as always, if you have any questions or suggestions, please leave them in the comments below. A huge thank you to Journey Made Coffee for continuing to support and sponsor the uh, the podcast. Uh, Journey Made Coffee is a small roaster on the mid north coast. And uh, if you head over to www.journeymadecoffee.com.au and use the code MYMATE at checkout for uh, 10% off your order. So without further ado, this is my mate, Haley. Haley, how are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. How's, um, up. how's, <laughs> how's, the, uh, how's the state of the capital in America today? Uh, you know, it's great now that it's an, a new day, a new year, and it's only going to get better. <laughs> Sounds like um sounds like Biden has a has a pretty mighty to do list. Yeah, and he, yeah, he's done a lot so far, but it's more like um, stuff to make him look good, and not like anything that's gonna stick. So hopefully, we see more. Oh, interesting policy change. Interesting. Yeah. Um, is there anything specific that you're hoping that he will um, he will change policy wise? <sighs> Um, I mean, I think the two biggest things for me are climate change and then just like equity among people. Uh, America has gotten really bad at, uh, their income gaps between the rich and the poor, which I'm sure is very obvious. Um, but I think that needs to change and that's not going to change with one president, but he can start. And then... For, for um, us uh, not-so-smart people, what do you mean by equity gap? Um, so I don't know if anyone knows Bernie Sanders, but his like whole saying is that uh, the top uh, 1% own most of the money in the United States and everyone else is kind of left with nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of people that are, especially in my generation, cause we were told, um, you know, to go to college and get a career and, and do all this to succeed in life. Um, but at the same time, college prices skyrocketed to like insane numbers, like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so we all carry this debt. And even if we have good jobs, it's kind of hard to, 
to get out of that. So, sure. yep. Yep. Yeah. No, fair enough. All right. No worries. So, um, we, um, we, we've known each other for a while, um, for, for, for quite a long time now. And, um, it's, it's been really interesting, um, seeing you, um, progress through, uh, different um, different employers and and uh, do a few bits and pieces and so for the listeners um, what is what's your qualifications and and where do you currently work I, I know that you're not allowed to specifically say where you work but what what field do you work in yeah um, so originally I started out um, pursuing a degree in biology um, so I got that as my undergrad degree uh, and then I went to grad school uh, and I got a master's of public health and um, I concentrated in something called epidemiology um, which is everyone always thinks that it's uh, the study of the skin because of the epidermis um, but it's actually like the science behind public public health. Um, so we look at anything from, jeez, oh, uh, anything from climate change to heart disease to uh, food. Uh, what's the word? Food scarcity, mm-hmm. um, and we kind of look at it in a, from a numbers perspective. Um, so we measure it. Uh, we look at it on a population level. So how is this affecting everyone's lives? Um, and kind of go from there. Yeah, it can right. really be anything. Okay, it sounds like a very um, a very broad broad subject. Yes, definitely. Um, I always knew that. I didn't want to go down the, the route of um, kind of popular public health categories mm-hmm. um, like pharmaceuticals or community health outreach, sure. um, you know, kind of making posters and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, I really wanted to tie into my science background as well. Mm-hmm. So my main focus uh, started with infectious diseases. Mm. Um so that's what I took most of my classes in, uh, in grad school. And then, um, kind of through that, you just kind of meet people. And I started doing a lot of research, um, on animal diseases, uh, which I always thought was really interesting because it's very similar to human diseases. And obviously they intertwine um, and kind of cross species, which is what happened with COVID. Um, And that's what I currently work with. Okay. So, um, and it's, it's actually, it's actually really funny because you, you completely skipped over the part that you've had a couple of papers (laughs) published. So what does it mean to have a paper published and what papers have you had published? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I, I usually don't, I guess, talk about myself. Um, so the papers I have published have to do with, um, basically, they. it's a long-term study that looks at the antibiotic use um, in large animals. Um, so we went through the records at a large animal hospital and kind of looked at uh, what antibiotics were being used and why. And there wasn't really um, 
a main purpose of the study. Uh, besides, we wanted to better understand what was happening. Um, so if you think about antibiotic resistance in humans, it's fairly well studied. We know um, what antibiotics our body are um, resistant to and which they aren't, um, but we don't have as much information for animals. And it's pretty interesting because animals are actually the ones that probably consume more antibiotics than we do. Um, it can be in their meals. It can be um, if, if they have surgeries. Uh, so they can get it in a lot of different ways. Um, so we tried to give like dig deep into um yeah, what antibiotics these animals were getting if they were switching commonly, um, because that can lead to more antibiotic resistance. If, say, a horse came into the hospital and his owner was giving him drugs one, two, and three, and then the hospital didn't know that and gave him drugs four, five, and six, um, at that point, that's a lot of um, intake for the one animal, and it can uh, rapidize the antibiotic resistance. Um, so that's what we looked at mostly. Okay. So, and with um, antibiotic uh, resistance and um, and in animals as well, would that also have to do with um, um, humans relying on uh, certain animals, obviously for food and stuff like that? So obviously we need, um, you know, let's just take pigs for example. Like humans um, obviously consume a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of pig product. Um, mm -hmm. You know. Is it is that is that sort of where it where it also hovers around? Just make sure that we've got a um, a sustainable um, food source. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's important to realize that our lives interact with animals in many different ways, whether we're consuming them, co uh, coexisting with them. Uh, you know, we can use them to plow our fields. Um, and just in so many different aspects. And I think what a lot of people look at is, is how does this animal's life affect a human's life? Mm. Um, and kind of the perspective I like to take on it is how does this animal's life and this human life interact and what happens in that environment and what can we learn from each other? Mm -hmm. um, for example, I'm sorry, I say it better in examples, I think. Um, Another project I worked on, we looked at this uh, mycobacterium, uh, which we refer to as MAP because it has a really long name that no one can pronounce. <laughs> can um, you pronounce it? Well, it's, I'm probably going to mess it up, but it's, it's mycobacterium avium subspecies paratuberculosis. <laughs> um, yeah. I love it. It sounds great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot, but... It actually, yeah, this is great research. I actually looked at um, cow poop for a long time. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway, mycobacterium, it, it's this bacteria that causes uh, disease in cattle. That's called Yoni's disease. Mm -hmm. um, and Yoni's disease is very, very similar to Crohn's disease in humans. Mm, okay. um, but Crohn's disease in humans is treated by long-term uh, medication that someone takes for pretty much their whole life. It's considered a chronic condition. Yeah. Um, but we found that this mycobacterium 
um, was the, which is the cause of the Yoni's disease in cattle, might also be the cause of Crohn's disease in humans. And if this were the case, then you could be given a two-week treatment of antibiotics and, um, you know, slow down your symptoms or even stop them for years, um, which would be a lot less invasive than taking medicine for your whole life. Um, so that's still in the works. I actually haven't, I did it a couple of years ago, so I haven't looked up on the the current research, but that was always really interesting to me because it's something that you look at the animal and you realize that they're suffering in the same way that humans are. Mm -hmm. And we wouldn't even consider a fix like the animals have animals have had this fix of antibiotics for decades at this point, And we would have never considered that it could also work for humans, I guess, if you don't look at it in that point of view. Does that make sense? Well, it's, um, <laughs> look, I'll, I'll be honest with you. A lot of this stuff goes completely over my head, but, um, if I, if I just say, yeah, sure. It's, um, it, it, sounds, <laughs> it sounds like I understand. So what, I mean, what is we it? can just say that I looked at cow poop and that was the end of it. <laughs> so what does it actually mean to have a, a paper published? Um, it means that if you Google it, it'll show up (laughs) and it also means that other people can reference it, um, for their own papers. I think, I think what's important for me, um, aside from just like a proud factor of having a published paper or two published papers, it really, the papers that we publish are really baseline papers. So it's kind of just the start of something, um, you know, there isn't too much information about it previously. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of nice to create a baseline that other people that I'm never going to even interact with or know, but they can project off of it and and dig deeper into research, which I think is really cool. That is very, very cool. So all of this culminated to your job now? Um, kind of. So, (laughs) Uh, writing papers and doing research, um, at least at the level that I was at, was not a full-time job. Um, so I had also had another job um, after grad school, just working in a doctor's office. Um, and then the pandemic happened and all the schools shut down. Um, so no more research and all the businesses shut down. So no more job. Mm-hmm. And I, I was at home for about two months Um you know, playing a lot of Animal Crossing <laughs> and also trying to find something else to do with my life. Sure. Um, so kind of the bullseye was COVID. Um, so that's what my next job was Okay. So and what, still is. So what do you actually do at the moment? Um, right now, my job is very much um, a public health job. Um, I don't do research per se anymore. Um, I'm more am on an interacting level with the community Mm -hmm. um, and kind of giving guidance about COVID, um, you know, organizing testing, talking about isolation and quarantine periods, um, you know, how yelling at everyone to wear their mask, although that's (laughs) not my job, I just do that. (laughs) Um, And just kind of, you know, working the best we can to help the greatest number of people Um, and pretty much anyway, I'll do, I'll do whatever's asked of me as long as I can help. (laughs) Fair enough. How, how frustrating for you in, uh, in your position was the previous administration? Um, personally or job wise? Job wise. Look, I'm, I'm I'm not even going to touch the personally thing (laughs) completely job wise. 
<laughs> we'd be here for like 10 hours. <laughs> um, job wise, um, it was very frustrating. Um, you know, we're trying to give the best guidance that we can. We're trying to talk to the experts that we know and, and work as a collaborative to try to get obviously the spread down um, and get people back to their normal lives. But if the number one person in the country is saying different things to the, the population, of course, they're they're not going to listen to to everyone else um, who's trying their best to help them. Um, so it was extremely frustrating, especially I think when the cases started coming down mm-hmm. um, and obviously we need cases. I mean, I'm sure you understand because Australia did a great job at getting their cases down <laughs> um, in order to come back to what we call, I guess, normal life at this point, um, you pretty much need to have a very, very low number of cases Mm -hmm. in the community, which we never got to. We would see like a week of cases going down and the president would be like, everybody opened back up again. And (laughs) and then it would just like skyrocket. Um, So it was a very, very frustrating roller coaster. Yeah. I mean, Um, it wasn't just the, uh, you know, everyone opened back up. It was also the you know, you don't have to wear masks or, you know, you should get injected with, uh, you know, with, uh, what was it? The The bleach Uh, or the UV light. (laughs) I watched that live and I think I like almost died. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Oh dear. Okay. So for the, um, so for the listeners, um, that, that don't necessarily know, um, what is COVID? Yeah, um, COVID is a coronavirus, as it was more commonly called um, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Why Why the two um, different names? So there's a couple different names just for classification purposes. Um, so coronavirus is a type of, of virus um, that infects a host because it does infect other bodies sure. um, as well, like our species. Um, and then the SARS-CoV-2 um, was a way to classify this particular coronavirus and its um, its genetic sequence. So any genetic sequence that is exactly the same to this one or extremely similar mm-hmm. um, would be classified as SARS-CoV-2. Um, which the original was um, SARS back in the early 2000s, which um, I actually didn't know too much about. I I mean, I was alive for, but I didn't pay attention to it um, (laughs) back in the day. Learning a lot about that was interesting. So how how similar is it to the the SARS? Because I remember the SARS virus. Um, it's, it's very similar genetically. I don't have an answer for exactly how similar. Um, if it's me Personally, I'm wondering, because I know the SARS-CoV-1 virus um, that caused SARS back in the early 2000s um, was a lot more deadly. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if this is just a very, very, very uh, mutated, like, generation down virus of it because it's become less... um, less deadly which is what tends to happen with viruses um so i mean i haven't done much research on it but um it would make sense in my brain um but anyway the sars 
SARS-CoV-2 that came out in 2019 is the way that um, we just classify it as a disease is um, is for COVID-19. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess it would be like how mycobacterium causes Yoni's disease. Right? See, <laughs> there's that connection. <laughs> yeah, circling back. Um, yeah. Okay, so there's a lot of conspiracy theories with the origin of um, of COVID. Um, <laughs> Could it have there been is. manufactured in a lab in China? I don't even want to say yes, because then I feel like people are going to explode and conspiracy theories are going to get worse. <laughs> um, I will say that I did research to try to figure out the exact origins of it, and, and we don't know yet. Okay. Um, so it's still up in the air. Um, my guess is that it came from a bat, infected another animal and then someone you know that animal is being sold on a meat market and (laughs) and that's where it came from because that's where they always come from unfortunately i shouldn't say always because always but it's just a like a a petri dish of diseases yeah yeah so it's uh it it, it isn't caused by 5g waves then (laughs) no it's not although i will say one of the reasons why i'm so interested in climate change um beyond the fact that, uh, you know, it's concerning is that um, because humans are now going into jungles and chopping everything down, um, but really what we're doing is going into ecosystems we've never been to before, which is why these viruses are coming about. Um, They've always existed, but we've just had no human contact with them previously. Ah, interesting. So it all circles back to climate change. (laughs) Yeah, everything does. I mean, come on. Fair enough. All right. So getting back on topic. So how does it affect the body? Well, it can affect the body in a lot of different ways. Um, Obviously, you are sure everyone is aware of the common symptoms of shortness of breath, coughing, um, chest pain, fatigue, um, you know, the popular loss of taste and uh, loss of sense of smell, which I'm like terrified of having. That's how I always test myself. I'm like, oh, I can still taste my coffee. I must be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My, my, uh, yeah, I've heard stories of people who lose their sense of smell and taste and it it just sounds like the weirdest thing ever to experience. Um, but the thing that's interesting about it is, I mean, obviously we know, right, that it it kills, um, it's more deadly to elderly people and people with chronic conditions, um, such as diabetes and hypertension. Um, but it is just completely random. Um, you know, we'll get cases of someone having the sniffles and they'll test positive. Um, Someone else will be coughing and they'll be out of breath and they'll have all these symptoms and and they won't test positive. And then, you know, there's young people who who are out of work for weeks and there's elderly people who never develop symptoms. So, um, and I'm talking like 95 plus years old elderly. Yeah. So it's really interesting to me, um, just on like a personal note, why that happens. So I'm pretty curious to see the data um, in the coming years once we can slow down and take a look at it. Sure. Do do you think uh, do you think we'll ever get to the bottom of it? I think so. Um, I mean, we're going to be studying this data for years and years and years to come. Um, 
if you just think about it, you can do one study, like if you just look at the United States, right? You could do one study on the data in Oklahoma and you can do one study on Los Angeles, California, and they're probably going to give completely different data sets um, of what happened. And then you can start to look at the environmental factors. Um, did people have disease states when they were, that were worse in poor air quality? Um, so like all those other factors are something we haven't even been able to look at yet, mm-hmm. um, which is what I'm like really excited to do. I don't want to say excited um, because, you know, obviously COVID has hurt so many countless people um it's pretty much you can honestly say it touched everyone um in the past year but from a like nerdy science perspective it just opens so many doors to to research sure um something that's not um not uh not talked about very often is the long-term effects um now this thing's been around for 12 months now, roughly. Um, <laughs> yeah. What are some of the long-term effects that you're already starting to see? Um, so long-term effects that we're seeing, uh, you know, people can have shortness of breath or be fatigued for months on end. Um, some people have had coughs for forever. Um, or, you know, six months after the end of their diagnosis. Um, and other people are seem to be fine. And then, you know, I don't know if it's because their immune systems are uh, overreacting or there was some inflammation in their body left over from, from the COVID, but, you know, they'll have heart attacks or they'll have strokes. Um, and, and you have to wonder if it's related uh, to COVID. Um, and it's not something that we can look at from a data perspective yet, but it's definitely something we can observe um, just like in general uh, what's happening. Okay. And honestly, like there are, there are some people who are on ventilators for over a month and they get out of it and, and they're great. Um, and there are other people who had uh, mild diseases, like just a cough, and they end up with muscle pain or fatigue for the next few months. Um, just as the symptoms are random, it seems to be that um, the long-term effects can be too. Some of the um, some of the crazy long-term effects that um, I've only heard about, and maybe you can confirm or maybe you've heard of them yourself, um, some neurological or long-term uh, neurological problems um, like memory loss and stuff like that, permanent dexterity loss and stuff like that due to loss of oxygen for a prolonged time. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think some of the neurological issues are very, very present. Um, it's something that, uh, you know, if after you have COVID, you realize that you can't remember anything or you can't control your um your limbs as, as best as you could before, like that's something you're going to notice right away. And it's something that's going to be reported. Um, so we are getting a lot of information about that. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Sure. So what are the current numbers in America? Cause I, I, I know like I, I can talk about the numbers in Australia, but that would be a very short conversation, but 
<laughs> well, actually, no. You didn't. You guys have some spike in cases. Is it going back down? Yeah, we did. Uh, just before just before Christmas, it it spiked again, um, and as of now, we've got nothing again. Do you think? Um, <laughs> so you didn't see any spikes like after Christmas, like two weeks after or anything? No, not at all. It. Um, oh well, good for you guys. Yeah, good job. Yeah, go us. But um, yeah, what are the what are the current numbers in America? Um, let's see. So we're at about twenty five million cases, um, and we're definitely over four hundred thousand deaths currently. Jeez. Um, probably getting closer to four hundred fifty thousand. How many um how many deaths per day? Um, that one is a really hard number for me to think about because it's been about over 3000 a day recently, um, which is just so, so alarming. Um, I mean, you think about days like, I mean, the one that I constantly go back to is nine 11 and, and how many lives we lost on that day and how so many people were touched by it. And were affected and then to just realize that something like that is happening every single day um, to that capacity is just I honestly can't even wrap my head around it yeah well I mean you're talking about um, like in in Australia obviously we have a very different population density or or quite a lot lower population density but you're basically talking about a small town being wiped out in a day in Australia like it's 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 so many people and do you think that um, people are not alarmed, or shouldn't, or, or are not as lar- not as alarmed as they should have been because of the previous administration? Yeah, I definitely think so. I was going to say, um, I think because a lot of people are um, that pass away are elderly. Um, I think some people's mindsets are like, oh, well, you know those deaths were probably going to happen this year anyway. We just know about them because it's COVID Um, or just because they were old, like they weren't going to live much longer anyway. Um, And it's just not the case. Um, People are dying at all different ages, at all different stages in their lives. You can't say that someone who's 75 years old was going to die soon anyway, (laughs) Um, especially not in today's world. Um, And I think that's the frustrating part because the previous administration really just focused on the, the, that death number. And they're like, cause it it did go down a lot. Um, in the summertime, you know, we were only seeing maybe 200 to 800 deaths a day, which is a huge decrease to what we're at right now. Um, but he never, I shouldn't say he, the administ- previous administration never really addressed any of the long-term effects, never addressed any other issue that could affect people's lives besides, um, you know, not that many people are dead anymore, so we're doing a good job. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty frustrating. Yeah, right. So moving on from the, um, from the actual virus, um, how, is it, um, how is it in America um, just, just on a, just on a personal level, not, not from a, um, um, not from a health organization level. How's, how's day-to-day living in America at the moment? You know, it's pretty interesting, especially with social media. Mm-hmm. You can kind of sit on your couch and watch what everyone else is doing. Um, and I think it creates this kind of either 
oh, so-and-so is out doing this, so why can't I go out and and eat at a restaurant too? Or, uh-huh. is, or, you know, is this person really quarantining? Maybe I shouldn't see them like I said I would, even though it's only one person. Um, so I think it creates a lot of dynamics of not a lot of uncertainty around what everyone else is doing and if you're doing enough to be safe. And on my end, I'm like super paranoid. Um, I don't like to go or do anything, um, especially because I try to see my family as much as possible um, and I want to protect them. But um, it makes me wonder on the opposite end, these people that are going out and doing things and supposedly not as concerned about the virus, are they secretly like, oh, I hope no one finds out that I went out to lunch or I went to this party. Um, so I'm curious to know um, kind of that side of it because I don't really know it. But I think there's also just like a lot of guilt going around. Like if I do see this person, if I do go to this event and something happens, um, you know, how am I going to feel? Yeah. Because honestly, it feels like nowhere safe. <laughs> <laughs> but like you guys, you, you walk around, right? And, and like live normally. I mean, I'm sure you wear a mask or maybe you don't, but you like go and see people, right? Yeah. So look, I, um, when we're, when we're doing official duties, um, we're like we're, when we're on duty and doing official duties, um, in, in our role, it's, um, you know, it's, it's basically part of our uniform that, that we wear a mask and, and we do it, we do it uh, for a few reasons. One is obviously, um, you know, to, to keep others safe and, and secondly is to keep, you know, us safe, but also it's, it's also because we also looked at, um, I don't want to say pillars of the community, but we, we are definitely look, look looked at as being leader, leaders of the community, um, you know, so if, if we're seen out and about and we seen wearing masks, then, you know, people, um, you know, we, we sort of hope we, we set a good example for people, I suppose. It's, um, look, in, in, in Australia, um, there, there were fines. I'm not exactly sure um, because I, I, I don't live near, well, I, I don't live um, in, in, uh, in Sydney Metro. Um, but in, in Sydney Metro, in the greater Sydney area, there were fines for, um, you know, not wearing masks um, on public transport and in shops and stuff like that. And, um, uh, but everywhere else it's, it's, it just comes down to social distancing and it's, it's highly recommended that you wear a mask. So majority of the people I, I see do wear masks. Um, I, I know now because the, um, because the community transmission race rate is, is zero and has been for a little while, um, that people are starting to relax again, which is fantastic. Um, I don't know if those fines are still in place. Um, I don't know. Like there was the, like on, on the flip side of it, there were, there were protests about, about the masks and stuff like that as well. And in Australia, they're just, I don't know. I, I just, um, the, the, the Australian media just, just never, never gave it. It's, um, it's, it's time on, uh, time on air. So yeah. Wow. That's completely the opposite of America. <laughs> Any opposition is immediately on the news. Yeah. Which I think is part of the problem. Yeah. Well, we, we definitely saw that in the Capitol. So yeah. Oh, crazy. That Capitol. <laughs> um, okay. So the, um, in, in Australia, the vaccine is currently being rolled out. Um, I think it's about a, a week away or something like that. <gasps> so before, exciting. Yeah. Before, before it actually gets, gets rolled out. Now, there's there's two vaccines that we're getting, and both them both of them are locally manufactured. 
Um, tell me about tell me about the vaccine. Tell me about some of the funnier uh, conspiracy theories you've heard about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, um, I think the the craziest one is that uh, people think it's going to uh, infect your DNA and completely change your own DNA. <laughs> um, so you're just gonna, not going to be uh, your person anymore. You're just going to transform into someone else or who knows what. I, I think they've been um, watching way too many movies. I, I don't even know how that happens. <laughs> Oh my God. I mean, the, the vaccine isn't even a, a DNA based vaccine, so it's not <laughs> even possible. Um, uh, crazy. And then what about the, Bill uh, the Gates other one? one, did you hear about the Bill I, Gates one? I was just going to say Bill Gates is out <laughs> to get us. That's right. <laughs> the idea that people think they're going to be micro chipped and tracked is just beyond me because how they don't realize that we're all being watched constantly anyway yeah. is just like, if you don't have a phone from before 1995 and you don't have any technology in your home, that's the only way. I don't even think then they got to know everything. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there was a, um, so a, a little while ago, there was, um, there was a big uproar about the, um, there was a, there was an app released by the Australian government and it was, um, um, for Corona check-in. So basically, um, you know, when you go into a shop or when you go into a venue or something like that, you use a QR code, you scan yourself in, you check in and check out. Um, that links up to um, your your government profile, which you have your license and stuff like that um, linked to it. Mm-hmm. And people were in uproar because they're like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't want the government tracking me and blah, blah, blah. And exactly what you said. It's like, <sighs> if, if you don't think for a second that location services on your, on your phone is, is being fed somewhere and stored somewhere, then sorry, you're just super naive. I mean, there's literally RFID tags in uh, American passports. So if you have a passport, then they know where you live anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It's just not, it's not like this hasn't been happening for the past few decades. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what, why now people would want to jump on board <laughs> and panic about it. Uh, look, I, I think it's um, a- any sort of opposition. Um, they They just like to... They like to use it or, um, you know, maybe these people are genuinely that sheltered and they're only just realizing, you know, <sighs> um, uh, uh, mag- magnetic stripes in, in, um, in plastic currency is a perfect example. Um, you know, they can, they can track and trace like, you know, who has what note and, you know, uh, where it is in the world and all that sort of stuff as you, as you go through metal oh. detectors and stuff like that. And, you know, people are surprised when they read the fine print on, um, you know, um, uh, Apple, Apple home pods or whatever they're called. And they read the fine print and it's like, you know, like your voice will be recorded for, you know, quality and testing purposes and stuff like that. And then, you know, they get quite offended and all that sort of stuff. It's like, well, yeah, Yeah. it's been happening for a while. (laughs) I know. So the vaccine, it's, uh, has it been, has it been rolled out in the U S yet? Yeah. Um, we're actually, so it, we were supposed to have, I think it was like 20 million doses in the first like month or something like that. Uh, don't quote me on that. It's probably different. Um, anyway, we had like maybe 1% of that um, under the previous administration. Sure. Um, and 
I mean, everything could always be better. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can get our supply up, which uh, the Biden administration uh, just purchased, um, or they're in the process of purchasing enough vaccine for everyone in America to be vaccinated. So Mm -hmm. that's great. Um, but the, the second issue is not just the supply, but it's actually getting into people's arms. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so one of the vaccines, um, has to be stored at super cold temperatures. Um, so there's kind of that barrier, um, as well as, you know, you can make appointments and have people come get vaccinated, but the, the dosing, um, has to be done within a certain time. Um, so if you open up a box of vaccines, all those vaccines have to be given within a certain amount of time. Um, and I had heard that, um, we're at about a one to two ratio right now. So for every two vaccines that are distributed, only one is getting into, to the arms of the public. Um, yeah, so that really needs to um, get better. So hang on, um, where's the other vaccine going then if it's a one to, one to two ratio? Um, that I, I don't know. Um, I, either it's not stored properly, there's a, manu- there's a manufacturing error, um, it's not given in, in the right time frame and has to be thrown out. Um, Jesus, okay. I, yeah, so um, there was one example of someone at like a local pharmacy <clears throat> They were closing for the day. They had like two vaccines left and they literally were just standing there being like, who, who wants it? Like, I I don't want to throw it out. Like someone please come in and get it. Um, which is obviously not the ideal way to distribute a vaccine. Um, I do have pretty high hopes, um, with the Biden administration. Um, they're starting to get, um, you know, FEMA involved and try to set up vaccine clinics um, and kind of make the process go a bit smoother. Um, So America's timeline is to have everyone who wants to be vaccinated, um, vaccinated by the summer, um, which I think is a great and doable goal. Um, The problem is getting everyone on board because if we only have 30% of our population vaccinated, um, there's still going to be plenty of opportunities for the virus to spread. That's still 70% of the population where it can go to. Yeah. Um, there was, there there was, there was a very interesting comment that you just made, which was, uh, getting the vaccine out to everyone that, that wants it. So, um, I, I believe that the current percentage in Australia, um, is only about, 50 something percent of the general population wants the vaccine. Um, Mm -hmm. Is there a certain percentage that where the vaccine will work and the vaccine, is there a certain percentage where the vaccine just won't? Um, so every, uh, vaccine is different when it comes to, uh, herd immunity, um, which is kind of the idea that everyone has enough people have immunity where, um, the virus isn't going to have anywhere to go to. Um, cause if it jumps from person to person, everyone is going to have antibodies and it's eventually going to die out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that number is typically, um, I would say safely around 70 to 80% of the population. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not any exact number, uh, right now we kind of have to see how it plays out. Okay. Um, yeah, that's that's going to be, I think, difficult in a, in a place like America where there's 
a lot of different beliefs. There's a lot of different barriers. Um, you know, there's, there's already trust issues in our medical system. (laughs) Um, so it's only going to make it a little bit worse, but hopefully we can overcome it. Um, I'm always promoting the vaccine. I'm always telling everyone I see, or that asks me to get it. Um, I don't even bring up any, anything that could possibly be twisted as negative about it. Um, I just tell them I can't wait to get mine and I hope you feel the same way. <laughs> so I, I guess unless you live in uh, uh, communist Russia where you don't get vaccinated, <laughs> the, vaccine, the, the vaccination vaccinates you. It's um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's always going to be super difficult. And I think the, um, um, I don't know, people's, um, I'm noticing more and more that um, that that people do genuinely have have concerns about the um, about the vaccine, and and they're not they're not outlandish concerns either. So I I guess okay. So in Australia, there's two 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 different brands of vaccines, and they slightly do different things. Is that the same in America? Okay. Um, kind of. Right now, the two that are approved in America, the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine, um, are are very similar vaccines. Um, <clears throat> they're both given in two doses. Um, they're they both operate the same way in the body um, to try to build up your your immune response. Um, but there are other vaccines in in the works that that are a little bit different. Okay. Um, one of them is a one-time vaccine um, that will hopefully get approved pretty soon, but we'll have to wait and see for that. Okay. But yeah, are yours one or two doses? Uh, I believe both of ours are two doses. Um, okay. And I, I can't, I, I, I can't think off the top of my head, and I'm also not smart enough to remember the the actual differences between them. Um, but one of mm-hmm. them was for, uh, one of them was for like. Uh, yeah, you, you know what? I'm, I'm not even going to try and guess because it's just going to make me sound like a bigger idiot. But yeah, look, there, there's two different sorts. Um, one of the biggest concerns about the vaccine that I've heard is um, is how it came about so quickly. Um, mm-hmm. How did the vaccine come around so quickly? I mean, I, I, I know because I was interested and, and I looked it up, but can you explain how the vaccine came around so quickly? Yeah, so... Um, for the two vaccines in America, uh, they're what we call mRNA vaccines. Um, so messenger RNA, um, and this type of vaccine, um, has been in the works for probably decades at this point. Um, so they have kind of perfected how the vaccine is going to work in your body. Um, all they really needed was the the genetic sequence of the COVID-19 to that was like basically the final step. So they were ready to go. Um, They got the genetic sequence pretty early on. Um, I think China shared it globally um, at least by mid January of last year. Um, So the vaccine development was starting, you know, this time last year and, and we just didn't really know about it. On top of that, like I said, it's been worked on for years prior and um, it's the most, 
funded vaccine in history. Um, so if you throw money at anything, you're going to get uh, answers pretty quickly. And on top of it, everyone knew that it was under the eyes of, of pretty much everyone on the planet. Um, so you better do your job well. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of pressure. And and it really was kind of the perfect storm to be able to have this opportunity. Um, and kudos to all the people that that knew that a pandemic like this was going to happen. I mean, a lot of the general population don't realize that there are teams set up all over the world um, to prepare for pandemics. Mm -hmm. Um, So for a number of scientists, epidemiologists, um, and and everything like that, they've been working on this for decades. Um, I say to people, what happened with COVID-19 is shocking for the sheer shock value to me. Um, but it's not surprising. Like I basically felt that like this was always going to happen, um, based off the research that, that I've known. Okay. Um, the other concern that people have is the, um, is the untested, uh, effects of the vaccine. Yeah. Um, so I actually did a little research on this recently because I'm trying to figure out how to explain um, the long-term effects. Because yes, you know the vaccine has only been around for a year. We don't know any long-term effects. Um, but the way that the vaccine works is that it it injects um, the, a protein right into into your body. Um, your body is going to replicate that protein. And at the time that it's replicated, your immune system is also going to recognize it as foreign um, and attack it and build up the antibodies towards it. So by the time that a month has gone by, the original material is no longer in your system. Um, So the actual vaccine isn't staying there for a long period of time. It's more your body is producing um, copies of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the vaccine response is really done by your own body. Um, and I mean, who knows you better? So, uh, and when you compare that to long-term effects of COVID, which we clearly see is happening, um, I mean, you can only guess that the vaccine would be a better choice. Well, yeah, you'd, you'd sort of hope so, but I, I guess the thing is that the, um, you know, what people don't necessarily realize is that it's um look there's always that that really funny comment that people make that um oh you know i i I don't want to go get the vaccine because i don't want you know people putting covid in 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 my body and that's that's it's not how it works either um (laughs) right just 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 putting that out there just just in case people were unsure um look you're always going to have um people that are allergic or react badly to any sort of vaccine um, just like you have people that are allergic or have bad reaction to the food that we put in our body or the other drugs or anything like that we put in our body. So I, I, I guess in the bigger picture, um, you know, this, this vaccine is, is no different to any of the other vaccines or the drugs or anything else we put in our body. Um, if you have a reaction to it, that's, that's horrible and I sympathize, but you know, it's, um, I'd, I'd rather rather take the vaccine than not yeah absolutely i mean you can 
eat too much sugar and you can crash and be exhausted or you can like, we put our bodies through so much worse. I feel like on a daily basis, <laughs> um, that it, it'll be okay. So one of the really interesting things that, that, uh, that came up recently in Australia is, um, a, a, a different strain of, of Corona COVID. Um, and obviously they blamed, blamed it coming from overseas. Um, but they, they, they said some, some things on it that, uh, it was 70% more, um, transmissible. So is that, is, is, is that a thing? Are, are they like, has it mutated so quickly and you know, are, are there different strains per country or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the way that, so COVID is, or the coronavirus is, uh, RNA, um, based. Oh crap. Hold on one sec. So coronaviruses are an RNA virus, um, which means that they only have one strand of genetic information. Um, so when they're, it is replicating, it's very, very easy for it to, um, to change um what's the word for that you just said it mutate mutate yeah um so the genetic material can mutate very very quickly um and it's really not surprising that there are so many different strands that are coming out um and mutations are always at random um and it doesn't have a driving force um so the virus could become more transmissible, less transmissible, um, more deadly, less deadly. Um, it really is at random. Um, and I know that in the U.S. currently, uh, we have both the U.K. version um, and the South African strain as well. Mm. Um, and I believe the, the – is there a Brazilian strain too? Oh, I don't know. I think no so. No idea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not surprising. I think it can be very alarming to the general public. Um, but I think it's just good to understand that it's common. Uh, it's normal for viruses. Um, and that we're already doing the best that we can, um, to kind of control that. So you just got to keep wearing your mask and, and get vaccinated and hope for the best. Yeah. So I was, I was actually going to ask like no matter what the mutation um, or the different variation, it's, it's still the, it's still the same precautions of, um, you know, social distancing, hand sanity and masking, you know, if you can't social distance or, you know, in your case, mask all the time type thing. Um, with, in, in regards to mask, we, we've seen a, like a mass influx of um, not only a lot of different companies making them, but a lot of, um, I don't know what, you, what 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 the nice way of calling it, but the, a lot of sort of homemade job masks and stuff like that. There's no there's no regulations, um, like there's no standardized regulation on masks at the moment, is there? Yeah, not not really. And, and there's a little bit of research that's um, been done, uh, like the kind of mask that. Uh, is cloth and um, you pull it over your face, uh, like the ones you wear around your neck and you just pull up. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Um, like those have been found to, to really not do a good job at all. Um, 
and and it is true that you know there's no regulation on what's happening um you know you go to the local drugstore and there's a mask hanging on the wall and you're like okay i'll take that one um but you don't really know where it was made or what it's made of um and i think if you keep in mind um that you want uh obviously you want to protect what you're breathing out and you also want to protect what you're breathing in um so i think that dual layer um of material is very important um like a kind of cloth mask that has the outer portion that you know might have some new fashion design on it <laughs> um <laughs> but also has that uh inner lining um that can serve as like an extra barrier um would probably be top notch i've seen some actually like absolutely crazy designs and um i don't know it's it's um it's it's really interesting to see um like the 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 fashion value in them now um you know it's um i don't know it obviously someone's uh someone's making money out of it and and yeah i was gonna say people will want to monetize on anything so <laughs> match your mask with your outfit is the new thing i guess <laughs> that's it um now isolation is also a bit of a funny thing um because in Australia, if you have COVID symptoms, you should self-isolate until like until you've been tested. And then once the test comes back, either positive or negative, um, you, you, like, like I said, you, you should self-isolate. However, it's a little bit different in the US at the moment because there's, there seems to be a lot of confusion over how the, how the self-isolation or how the isolation in general works. Yeah, I think um, it can get a little confusing because uh, guidance has changed a lot. Um, and it's kind of the concept of uh, when scientists learn more, um, they're adapting to this new virus, but the public might not understand why those adaptations are being made. Um, <clears throat> and there's really a difference between isolating and quarantining. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're testing positive, you're, you're isolating yourself to not spread the disease. Um, and we know that by 10 days, um, you're not going to have any um, live virus to, to spread any longer. The, the, the virus will have worked through your system um, and is, you're not, no longer contagious. Um, you know, you might test positive again because you might the test might pick up dead virus um but you're not going to be spreading the disease any longer past 10 days um but the the differences with quarantining is can be a little bit trickier because um, really you're trying to isolate yourself from spreading the disease without knowing if you have it or not um and covid can take uh, two days to show up on a test or it can take 14 days to show up on a test after you've been exposed. Um, so really we like to use um, a 14 day period um, to ensure that like the most strictest way to know that you're not going to be infecting anyone if you've been exposed. Um, but there can be problems with that because say you're living with someone who's positive and you say, well, he became positive on, um, you know, the, the first of February <coughs> and 
his isolation period is going to be until the 10th of February, but you're not going to know at what point that you're going to contract the virus on any, it could be on day one or it could be on day 10. Mm -hmm. So really you can't start your quarantine period until that day 10, which would be the last day of your possible exposure. Right. Okay. So basically, oh, I hope I explained that well, but it's very confusing. <laughs> I, I, I found it extremely interesting about the 10 day thing, um, but obviously it, it can still show up and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, there was a comment made in a, in a previous podcast as well about, um, and, and this was actually news to me, um, in that, um, in, in cities they do test, um, um, sanitary, well, not sanitary waste. They, they, they test, uh, poop essentially. Um, oh. Yeah. So in Australia, uh, by the sounds of it, they, they test poop and they test it for illicit drugs and they, they've found, um, like we, we're getting constant um, alerts and warnings that there has been um, COVID found in, um, in sewerage. Yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't done much research on that, but it's not surprising. Um, most of our immune system um, comes from our gut. A lot of, uh, viral interactions are going to be happening there happening there mm. um so it doesn't surprise me that there would be live or dead um virus material that comes out <laughs> so i guess that's a way to test if you have antibodies or not or you've been infected <laughs> to get your poop tested <laughs> <laughs> i think everyone should just get their poop tested in general <laughs> is that something you do on a what a weekly basis basis <laughs> No, no, not me personally. Maybe I'll start. <laughs> we're uh, we we're, we're not about kink shaming on this podcast. Just FYI. <laughs> good to know. Uh, very good. So, what's the um? How do you see the future of um of post uh, post COVID? I I don't even know what you'd call it, but is it is it going to be um you know is going to be a world of um you know um, number like maximum number of people allowed in shops and, you know, 1.5 meters and masks being used and stuff like that. Or do you think that we'll eventually get yeah. back to how it was? You know, I was just talking about this the other day and, you know, kind of wondering like our, our restaurants going to be built where, you know, everyone has their separate room now, um, to avoid others and, and, and our movie theater is going to, you know, take the middle seat out of movie theaters so that people can spread out, stuff like that. Um, but what I think it comes down to is that people tend to be short-sighted and they tend to um, think about things based off of how they can benefit from it, um, mostly monetarily. Mm -hmm. um, so I think if we ever get to a point where <laughs> in America there is zero COVID cases, I, I can't imagine it right now. Mm -hmm. um, but if we ever get there, uh, I think things will go back to the way they were pretty quickly until okay. until the, the next thing happens. <laughs> um, but there, w there will be another. I, I believe that 100%. Um, you know, we're not going to be done with these types of viruses for yeah. sure. Yeah. Especially as the world's, uh, world's population density increases and, and stuff like that. But I don't know, look, oh, for, for, for an introvert like me, um, not only has this not, not really affected me that much, like the, uh, uh, and, and I mean by not affected me as in the, like the staying at home, the isolation thing, but mm -hmm. it's, it's made a lot of services, um, 
like really pick up their game, like food delivery, um, you know, and streaming services, um, you know, they've really had to pick up their game because people are staying at home and, you know, using their services. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, I think it has created a, a whole new way to look at things. Um, it's obviously shown you that, you know, people can do their jobs at home. Oh, of course, um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, for the most of the pandemic, I had my groceries delivered. Uh, I had, did my job online. Um, I entertained myself on video games or mm-hmm. movies. Um, you know, I, I bake, I do like everything that, um, I've done this year I've done at home. Um, and it's been like totally okay. Um, <laughs> did you do the sourdough thing? No, no, not yet. I, I made some, I made some pretty good cinnamon rolls. So it's been the peak I think of my, my baking this year. Um, but yeah, I, I'm trying to, to master the, the French, uh, macaron, um, but it's not going well. So we'll see. Ah, very, very um, good. I know in Australia, like, uh, there was, there was like mass shortages of flour because of, because everyone, like for whatever reason, everyone suddenly got interested in sourdough. Um, yeah, there's shortages of random stuff. And like, still like, what is it? I think, uh, raisin bran there, like it doesn't exist now. Like there's a, a cereal shortage because <laughs> people are eating breakfast at home now. <laughs> so random. Um, was there um was there toilet paper shortages in america of course there was it was awful so so why what the hell happened with that i have no idea i swear it was just like one day it was like oh like you know people are dying there's this virus overseas and then the next day it was like there's no more toilet paper anywhere (laughs) like it literally happened overnight and i don't know how um yeah, it was really bad. It was pretty bad for a while. People were like, I remember in the beginning, um, like I bought groceries and for probably a month, like my freezer was completely full. I was like, I don't know when I'm ever going to get a chance to do this again. <laughs> um, yeah, we definitely all did the, uh, it's, it's the end of the world thing. Um, <laughs> I, I guess it's just people's outlook, you know, um, you, you go to the shops and, or you hear about it on the news, but you, you know, you go to the shops and you see one person buying instead of, you know, one twenty four pack of TP, they'll be buying two twenty four packs of TP and you know, the, the normal person will go, well, if this person's buying some, maybe I should just buy some just, just in case. And then, you know, that person will buy two and then, you know, so on and so forth. It's just a, a super run on effect. And I don't know, like there were there were riots and there was all sorts of crap happening in Australia over TP. It was ridiculous. It is. It is crazy. I don't know. Humans are just very interesting people. I mean, (laughs) I guess they are always people. They're very interesting species. (laughs) Uh, So what are some of the, um, what are some of the other hobbies that you've picked up during isolation? Um, yeah, it was baking a lot. Uh, I tried to read more and and like keep my brain going, um, but that didn't work too well. Um, I oh disc golf, I play that all the time now. 
super. I mean, it's a. I used to play ultimate frisbee all the time, um, but that's a lot of body contact. Um, <laughs> so now I just go through throw discs in the woods. All right. So your job being what it is, um, how hard is it to? Um, and obviously working from from home a fair bit, but um, like, is it a is it a depressing job? knowing that you're like you're you're looking at numbers of literally of, of people dying um it can be overwhelming um i would say um and i think just my personality tends to be a very um I would use the word caring. Um other people might just say overly emotional towards things. Um so I take every single person very seriously um, and what happens to them. Um, and, you know, sometimes if someone calls me that there there's an outbreak at an, an individual place, um, you know, I might even take it personally because I'm the one that's giving them the guidance to, to not have cases. Right. Sure. And then something happens and I'm like, oh, crap. Like, you know, did I did I mess up? You know, stuff like that. Um, but. You know, on the other end of it, it's super rewarding to to know that, hey, you know, we've been COVID free for a month or, you know, so you hear so many heartfelt stories um, of people recovering, of families being brought together. Um, I try to... um, you know, send cards into nursing homes just on a personal level, not on a work level. Mm-hmm. Um, but just try to stay connected. Um, and really just like know that I'm doing the best I can to, to help people out. Um, and of course it's going to be frustrating some days. Um, but it's also very, very rewarding. Um, so I personally, I mean, I've talked about it a lot this year. Um, and I, I love my job. Um, I love that I've been given this opportunity to really use my skills and, and help people the best I can. Um, I mean, it, don't get me wrong. It's entirely horrible that it happened. Um, but I'm just glad that I guess I was a little prepared personally and, and knew that it, it's something that I could actively do to help. Sure. Uh, look, I, I suppose in your, um, in your position, a, a certain, certain amount of, um, a certain amount of, empathy is is needed to do the job effectively so yeah i think so um and the the people that i tend to surround myself with um or that just do the job in general um very similar personality types um i mean no one goes into public health to make money honestly um we're all there to help people um and the reason we study public health instead of, you know, go to med school is is we feel like we can help a greater number of people, um, you know, as opposed to just one, um, which is also very exciting to me personally, um, that I can hopefully touch a lot of different lives. So that's my main goal. Right. And if I don't, I mean, I don't want to work with COVID forever because that means COVID will exist for forever. But <laughs> as long as I'm helping people in some way, I think I think I'll have a rewarding career. Very cool, excellent. Well, that's a um, that's a very positive uh, positive note to finish it on. So, um, look, I, I'd, <laughs> I'd like to thank you very much for um, uh, for getting up very very early 
um, and, and talking to me. Um, hopefully, um, <coughs> hopefully there's, um, uh, hopefully some, some listeners can, can listen to this and, um, uh, I don't know, sort out their own thoughts or opinions or anything like that. And, um, yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully go get vaccinated. I hope so. That would be wonderful. <laughs> very, very cool. All right. Well, look, um, what does the day hold for you now? You, it's, it's, it's Friday morning, so work? Yeah, I was just about to say, going to hop online and start my job. <laughs> so we'll see what today brings. <laughs> no worries. All right. Well, look, thank you very much again for, um, for talking to me and uh, being a guest on my podcast. And yeah, uh, take care and... I will talk to you again another time. All right. Sounds good. All right. See ya. Bye.